journalist Angela Kennecke, your host of Grieving Out Loud. We have a very special episode this week with the recipient of an Emily's Hope Treatment Scholarship, who is now in recovery for substance use disorder. I realized that when I drank, it kind of took my mind off of those things, and I was able to be comfortable in my own skin. For almost a decade, my drinking became more and more destructive. Jeff Grossman didn't experiment with alcohol in high school. He didn't even drink in college. My substance use issues started about 22 years old, and my drug of choice was alcohol. I, for the vast majority of my life, have struggled with my identity and who I am. And I found comfort and solace in, in alcohol. And 22 years old, you know, I was finally, I was honest with my loved ones about, you know, who I am as a person. I'm talking about sexuality. I had this internalized homophobia, I think, quite a bit. And 22 years old was actually the age that I came out. And everyone in my family, friends, family, they were all very supportive, but yet I couldn't find that support within myself. And so... I realized that when I drank, it kind of took my mind off of those things. And I was able to be comfortable in my own skin more so than, than you know, day-to-day life. So for almost a decade, my drinking became more and more destructive. And when you use a substance as a coping mechanism, it's just going to make things worse. And it's just going to continue to make things worse until either you find yourself in treatment, getting sober, or behind bars, or to be blunt, dead. Studies have shown that LGBTQ individuals are more likely to use and abuse substances, including alcohol and illicit drugs, due to a variety of factors, such as stigma, discrimination, and minority stress. For example, a national survey conducted in the U.S., found that LGBTQ adults were nearly twice as likely to have used illicit drugs in the past year compared to heterosexual adults. They were also more likely to have engaged in binge drinking and heavy drinking. In the LGBTQ plus community, suicide rates are already much, much higher for a number of reasons. Society, a lot of times, you'll hear certain people denigrate this community and there's all these bills being passed to to basically make these people feel like they're subpar to the rest of society. So I believe that when they turn to drinking or another drug, to me, they're all drugs. They're all the same. A mind-altering substance, they find comfort in those. It would honestly make me forget who I was and what I mean by that is that discomfort that I constantly felt would would go away for a while. But then the problem with that is I became somebody else. It would bring out anger. It would bring out sadness. There's been numerous low points. Hear the term like hitting rock bottom, right? Well, you can still go, go further down. You think you hit bottom and then if you don't change your ways, trust me, the bottom can keep going down and you can get to a point where you can. 
climb out on your own. I've lost relationships that meant the world to me. I've betrayed a lot of very good friends, not necessarily intentionally. I've lost jobs. All of those things, every time something like that would happen, I felt like that was the absolute lowest, right? I had to figure it out. Well, I didn't. <laughs> and then the next time around, it's even worse. And even in those periods of sobriety, when those things are going on, if you're not addressing the core issues, because I believe it's 60 to 70% of substance use disorders, there's a co-occurring disorder as well, too. If you're not getting to the root of that cause, even those periods of sobriety are miserable. And the only thing I knew was to try and get out of that horrible, just mental state I was in was to go back. And, and I, I knew it was the wrong choice, but you're literally rewiring your brain when, when you're using substances and, and it gets to the point where your, your brain literally tells you, you need it. You have to do this. If you do this, it's going to make everything better, which we know is not the case. It's a very difficult thing. People that are considered normal drinkers, you go out and, and have a few drinks and have a good time. To me, it was never about having a good time. Even if I had that intention, going into an event of some kind, a wedding, a bar, whatever, to have fun within an hour, I would be so drunk that I would be embarrassing myself and, and everyone around me just because those emotions, those anger emotions, sadness, that's what would come up immediately. And then it would lead to just very self-destructive behavior. A lot of times would get behind the wheel after these events and, and just put others' lives in danger, my life in danger. Looking back on it now, one year into recovery, Jeff can see the risks he took. However, People in active addiction are often in denial about the severity of their problem and the risks associated with driving drunk. They may believe that they can handle the effects of alcohol and are not as impaired as they actually are. So when you're, when you're an active substance abuser, obviously we know that these things limit your judgment and, and your ability to reason. So when you're in that state of mind, especially when you drank as often as I did and as much as I did, getting behind the wheel was honestly, it was something I was used to. I, and I hate to say that out loud, but it's just your, your judgment is so inhibited that to you, it's, it's nothing it's nothing, truly. You know, I, I had driven drunk more times than I could ever count and with no issues. Jeff did rack up a few drunk driving charges, but he continued to get behind the wheel after drinking. You, you just never think anything's going to happen to you, right? And unfortunately, uh, as I know, that, that, that's not the case. I was involved in an accident one night driving home from a bar. I had had a few drinks. My plan was to continue 
drinking once I got home. I wasn't, I wasn't in a blackout state yet, but that was my intention because that was what I did. I had had a few drinks and I was heading, heading home, driving my vehicle, the thing I'd done a thousand times. I wasn't even speeding or, or outside of my lane or anything like that, but you know, accidents, you, you hear the term all the time, accidents happen, wrong place, wrong time. And unfortunately, it did happen. Jeff hit a pedestrian who was sent to the hospital. He agreed to share this part of the story, but only on the condition that we don't get into the details of his criminal case. However, it was a life-defining moment for Jeff. At that moment, I felt like I had two options, and those were either I figure this out because I had been in and out of treatments for almost 10 years, and I had maintained periods of sobriety, but I don't think I ever mastered what to do when a traumatic event would happen in my life. And a few months prior to this accident, I lost a very good friend of mine, which sent me on a very downward spiral. And and then that night happened, and it was either I absolutely have to get sober, or quite literally, I was going to go to prison for a very good amount of time, or I was going to hurt more people, or to be honest, myself. Despite being in and out of treatment for the last 10 years, this time was different. And something deep inside Jeff told him it was his last chance. Life really is beautiful. And I can really see that now this last year. And there's so many people out there that, that love me and that support me and that I love and I support. And I just couldn't bear the thought of um, not having them around anymore or, or myself not being around them anymore. And so I decided I was going to do whatever it takes to, to get sober and to stay sober. Shortly after this accident, I was looking into inpatient treatment centers and it was really good timing. The Avera Addiction Care Center had just recently opened and they were modeled after Hazelden, Betty Ford in Minnesota. So I was very, very interested in going there. However, the cost of treatment was a major obstacle in getting the help he needed. I do have health insurance, which would have covered a good portion but I was left with approximately $6,000 out of pockets, which when you're an active substance abuser, your financial status usually is not great. So I needed, the, I needed help. I needed the money. And I reached out to Avera. They were so incredibly welcoming and supportive and were willing to do anything for me. But then and there... I knew that that was the right choice, but again, the financial aspect. And so I, I had asked, was there any sort of scholarship or program, any sort of funding? That's when Jeff learned about the Emily's Hope Treatment Scholarships. And I was very blessed to receive a good portion of that $6,000 from Emily's Hope. And without that, I don't think I would be here right now today. The Emily's Hope Scholarship gave me literally gave me the ability to go to treatment and and took that excuse away from me that financial burden you know that i 
I couldn't say, hey, I can't afford it. I guess I'm just out of luck, you know, and it saved my life. It really did. What that did for me allowed me to go there and my experience there was phenomenal. I had been to Hazelden and Hazelden is known to be the world, the standard, the world standard in treatment. Avera is 100 times better than my experience at Hazelden. So without that experience and without the follow-up with the outpatient therapy, without all the support, that I continue to receive even after leaving Avera. If, if I had not had those things, I don't know that I would be here right now. For that, I'm eternally grateful. And it's put me in this mindset now where I want to just give back. I want to help as much as I possibly can just to help people with substance use disorders, but also end the stigma of addiction. Jeff struggled with relapse after previous treatments, but that hasn't been the case now. So this time around, after treatment and after this accident, all of a sudden people that you don't know are involved and their lives are changed forever. And I just simply could not ever allow that to happen again. And I saw what it did to my family. I've seen what it continues to do to me to this day. So I knew that I had to make the most of the shot. It's different for everyone. Everyone's addiction is different. And so everyone's recovery is different as well. And what works for them. For me, what I've discovered what works well with, for me is being involved with people that are currently suffering and also telling my story and just being honest because I spent so much of my life being dishonest with myself and with everyone else. And so this last year and a little over since this has all occurred, I've taken all that energy that I put into drinking and using. And I decided, you know, now that that's not there anymore and I've figured out as far as coping mechanisms, I've figured out certain ones that help me. I was able to redirect that energy more towards helping and ending the stigma and just telling people that if I can do this, because I was so bad, if I can do this, I believe anyone can. It's just, you just have to be willing to. And if somebody were to come up to me and say, hey, I know your story and I really truly want to be sober, I just don't know how to do it. I'm 100% on board with them and willing to do whatever I can. And it's not all about helping other people too, because when I go and speak at the Aware Addiction Care Center to their current inpatient group, that helps me too. That holds me accountable. I feel like I have a duty to, since I've gotten so much better. So when I speak to these people and they ask me questions and I ask them questions. It helps everyone. It does. Jeff has now faced his emotions and personal issues in a way he never has before. I really had to do some, some deep thinking about what matters. And I had to get rid of that guilt 
and that shame and this shame I felt for being gay. I realized that if anybody has a problem with that, that's their problem. I now am able to confidently say that I love myself and I am who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin now and I'm able to do things like this and go and speak at a Vera or go to an AA meeting and share things because I'm comfortable with sharing what's on my mind or what I've experienced myself. And it it all really goes back to just being honest. Honesty truly is, I think, one of the keys to overcoming one's addictions. Jeff believes Emily's hope is greatly needed in a world where deaths from overdose and alcohol are on the rise. So Emily's Hope, you know, unfortunately was created under some devastating circumstances. But with organizations like Emily's Hope, it not only shows people how prevalent this is and how serious this is, there's something like 20 million people that are active substance abusers in the United States. And 90% of those people will not see treatment. The number one priority of Emily's Hope is helping people to overcome their, their addictions and get sober, and it's also ending that stigma. The stigma that you're just a bad person, it's a moral failing, you're a stain on society, that sort of thing. And that is not true. Some of the best people, the most amazing people with the biggest hearts, some incredibly intelligent people suffer from addiction. It does not discriminate. So that stigma needs to be eliminated because if it is not, we will continue on this road. But if we can work to get rid of it, which is what Emily's Hope is absolutely devoted to doing, we can tell people that it's okay to reach out and ask for help. So people just need to understand that just because you are addicted to a certain substance, that doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that there's a sickness that needs to be addressed and there's no need to be ashamed about that or feel guilty about that. Addiction is a disease. It is a disease of the brain. And the more people that understand that, the better we will all be in the long run. Jeff is currently serving a prison sentence for his involvement in the drunk driving crash more than a year ago. His job is being held for him, and he hopes to go back to school to study addiction. You can watch Jeff's story on our website, emilyshope.charity, and check out other episodes of Grieving Out Loud. Until next time, wishing you faith, hope, and courage.